Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, today is Pentecost Sunday. If you were to look at a, at a calendar of the big dates in the church, this is one of those significant days. Pentecost itself is actually a, a word that means 50. It has to do with 50 days after the Passover. And it was one of the, the significant, one of the three significant feasts that in biblical times, Jewish males were required to, to go to Jerusalem and commemorate. It was at this feast, shortly after Jesus' death and resurrection, that something very significant, in fact, maybe one of the most significant things in the life of the church took place. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Now when the day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. We often refer to this as the day of Pentecost. It was on this day, as you read through Acts chapter 2, that the church was born. It was with this outpouring of the Holy Spirit and then the church going into the streets in Jerusalem and Peter preaching a sermon that allowed thousands of people to hear the gospel and come to Jesus Christ, that the church was launched in its mission of life change to help people experience the grace and truth and eternal life that only come through a relationship with Jesus Christ. See, we are people of Pentecost. Our, our church, the, the, the fact that we're a, a Christian, it all launched and began on that day. See, Jesus' death and resurrection offered us that forgiveness and that salvation and that eternal life that on the day of Pentecost was expressed by a church for the first time in a way that changed people's lives and the church was born. See, we are people who are filled with the Spirit. And that makes a difference in our lives. So I wanted to ask the question, like, how do Spirit-filled people live? Be because today's message is called, This is Us. This is who we are. We are Spirit-filled people. We are the people of Pentecost. It it's our heritage. And as a result of that, then, how do we live? If the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives, then how are we supposed to live? Well, honestly, as I, as I thought and prayed about this, there were so many different directions that we could go with this. We, we could talk about the gifts of the Spirit at work in our lives. We could talk about the way that the Holy Spirit comes alongside and, and comforts us. He's an advocate. He's our helper, Scripture tells us. But I felt very uh, impressed that today we were to take kind of a very practical look at what it means to be people who live lives according to and filled with the Spirit. Today, we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in developing the fruit in our lives where we see how <clears throat> he is lived out in our everyday life. Here's the passage of scripture that we'll look at. Galatians chapter 5 verse 25 tells us this. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now this is an interesting concept. If we are Spirit-filled People. If we are the people of the Spirit, then we live by the Spirit, so let us keep in step with. Or you could maybe even translate that, follow in the footsteps of. 
Like, like get in line with our leader. Like be directed with. I, I even think of it in the sense of almost like, almost like a dance. That you follow those moves and there's a flow. That you, you get in relationship with the Spirit. And your life keeps in step with or keeps in line with the Spirit of God and His leading. If we are people of the Spirit, and, and this is us, then what does that mean if we're going to keep in step with the Spirit? Well, we'll know if we are or not by the fruit that's in our lives. And just a few verses before this in Galatians chapter 5, Paul lists for us what we refer to as the fruit of the Spirit. If you will keep in step with the Spirit, if you're going to follow the Spirit's leading, then that's going to show with the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Now, odds are you've, you've probably heard of the fruit of the Spirit before. Maybe you've, you've read that passage or, or maybe you've memorized that passage. When I was a kid's pastor, we used to sing a really fun song about the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. All of this comes from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, which reads this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. Oftentimes we'll, we'll maybe say patience there. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Nine things that Paul lists here for us that if we are keeping in step with the Spirit, if we are people of the Spirit, then this fruit is what's going to grow in our lives. So here's what I want to do in these next few moments is, is look at these fruit. I think they're really relevant in the times in which we live. I want to look at them, make some observations, see how they come out in our lives as people of the Spirit, and maybe Ask a question or two so that we can evaluate the fruit in our lives. The, the reality is if you go to the, the grocery store or maybe you go to the market and you, you are picking out fruit, you're going to evaluate it. Is it ripe or is it not? Is it bruised or is it not? Is it the size that you hope for it to be? That before you commit, you evaluate it. Well, I want to invite you to evaluate the fruit that's coming out of your life today to see what kind of quality is there. Here's the first one that we'll look at. We'll start with love. The, the passage that Paul gives to us here, the fruit of the Spirit begins with love, and it's where we've got to begin as well. My question for you as we talk about this idea of love is this. Have you made love your default mode? Have you made love your default mode? What do you mean by default mode? Well, if you have a, a product of some kind, especially an electronic, it probably has this mode that it defaults to. It's the first thing that it does. It, it's the factory settings, if you will. It's, it's the thing that happens most naturally and most of the time. And I find that in my life, I, I have to work. I have to ask the Holy Spirit to help me to make love the default mode in my life. See, if, I, if I'll let love come first, if I'll let it be the first thing, if I... If I ask the Holy Spirit to produce in my life this fruit where when I encounter a difficult situation or I come into a point of conflict or I have to walk through a season in my life or I'm interacting with people that I know or I don't know, if I can choose to love first, if I make it the default mode in my life, it makes all the difference. I, I honestly was really convicted about this uh, just earlier this week. I was sitting at home, I had my phone out and I was scrolling through social media. And as I did, I found myself having these thoughts about the people that I was seeing. 
Like sometimes you, you begin to think, oh boy, they, they think they're something or I can't believe they posted that or well, look at them. And you have all these thoughts. And what I realized as I got about four or five thumb moves through was there was no love in my heart. There was some pride, probably some judgment. There's probably some disappointment and maybe even a little anger. And as I went through, I realized I viewed all these people through a lens that didn't start with love. And Paul says that if the Spirit is at work in my life, then love is going to be the default mode. It's where we're going to start. Now, love's not foolish, right? I think sometimes love is tender. Sometimes love is tough. Sometimes love says yes, and sometimes love says no. Like there's different responses. But my question is, have I started with love? Love does the right thing for the person that is being loved in that moment. And love is one of those things that's hard to define. Paul, in his letter to the church in Colossae, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, talks about love in this way. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. He talks about a lot of things there, a lot of different traits, a lot of different ethical responses. And then he says this, and over all these virtues put on love. Watch this. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. He says, look, in all these different ways that you may have to respond to people, when you might have to show compassion or kindness or humility or gentleness or patience, you got to bear with one another. If you got to offer forgiveness, you know what holds all of that together in our relationships through the good times and the bad times? What holds it all together, what binds them all together in perfect unity is love. Now that's really significant and I think it's important for us to recognize this because our relationships go through challenging times and our lives go through difficult circumstances. I guess if you've, you've got to think about it a certain way, maybe think about it this way. Love is like the, the duct tape of life. It holds our relationships together. This, this, this kind of common tool that we use. And you can get it in all kinds of different colors and all kinds of different sizes. And we, we often just kind of typically just call it duct tape. And we use it for all kinds of things. If something's broke, we need to hold it together, we'll wrap it up in duct tape. Sometimes it's a long-term solution. Sometimes it's short-term until we can get the repair that's actually needed. I've known people who can make some pretty extraordinary things out of duct tape. There's, there's all kinds of uses for it, and it's a pretty extraordinary little tool. Love works in the same way. All those things that we read about, love is like the duct tape of life. It holds our relationships together. It helps us to bring things to a place where we can repair them. It keeps us bound together. My question is, is it the default mode in your life? Is it where you start? See, I guess I'd ask you, how are you responding to others? Do you respond mostly out of frustration, exasperation, anger? It's been a tough season for some of us as we've, we've weathered these last few months of such a unique season of time. My question is, is love your default mode? So the, the first question that we start with is that about love, as Paul gives us that as one of the fruit of the Spirit. The next fruit of the Spirit that we'll look at is joy. 
The, the second one that he lists is love and then joy. And my question for you as we talk about joy today is, are you choosing joy? Now, I, I know that that can be a cliche. You, you see it on wall art and you see it on T-shirts and you see it on note cards where it just says, choose joy. And there's times when we're challenged to, to choose joy. And sometimes you go, well, I don't feel very joyful. I don't feel very happy in this time. And I have to remind myself a lot that joy and happiness are not the same thing. See, actually, happiness is circumstantial. It, it has to do with what's going on around me. It, it's, it's an external thing, if you will. I'm happy because something went a certain way. Joy is different. See, joy is internal. And it's a willingness to say that no matter what's going on around me externally, internally, I choose to find joy. And that's why it's one of the fruit of the Spirit. See, when the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives and when we open up and invite Him to be at work in our lives, He can bring joy to our hearts even in times when it doesn't make sense. I, I have been in some really difficult days and, and tough times and still felt that even though I might not be happy in that moment, I had an internal joy that can only come because of what the Holy Spirit has done in my life. Let me tell you how important this joy is. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10, look at this, Nehemiah is talking to a, a group of people and you can go back and read the context and, and they've kind of been in a place where they're starting to grieve and he says to them, look, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some of those, uh, send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Maybe you've heard that passage before. But I think that's a powerful principle. That joy and strength go together. <laughs> that when I choose joy, it brings strength to my life. I find that, that, that joy not only changes me internally, but it gives me the strength to face what I'm looking at externally. I guess maybe I'd relate it this way. Look, when I choose to sleep more, when I choose to eat well, when I've chosen to exercise, in those moments, in those seasons, my body feels better because there's some choices that I make that bring strength to me. The same thing is true in a spiritual sense, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And when we choose His joy, it brings His strength into our lives. I was trying to think maybe how to, how to communicate that, or even really honestly how to understand it. Like how is it that something I choose internally actually empowers me to live my life? But the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I happen to think about the fact, when I, when I was a kid, there was a guy who was really popular. He was a daredevil named Evil Knievel. Probably some of you might remember uh, this guy. He was known for riding his motorcycle and jumping things like he jumped a part of the Grand Canyon and he would jump over all these obstacles and he had these really cool vehicles that he would do these, these tricks in. And his name was Evil Knievel. And I had these Evil Knievel toys. Like I, I've got a picture of one that I can show you here. Um, that uh, this, this was what it looked like. This was Evil Knievel, the action figure. This is him on his motorcycle, and it came with this, this base. 
that you would put the motorcycle in the base and then you would take that handle that on the, the crank there and you would wind it up, wind it up, wind it up, wind it up. And what it would do is it would get his motorcycle all revved up like it would fill it with this power. And then when you popped it, man, that motorcycle just took off. And sometimes you'd get evil to pop a wheelie. Um, oftentimes, Evil Knievel and I would go up to the, the, the top of the stairs that led down to the basement. We'd, we'd wind him up and man, he would jump all the way down those stairs. And sure, he had a couple of tough landings, but he made it every time. And it caused me to think that oftentimes, I think we want to we wanna live a life that looks like over here popping the wheelie, right? We, we want to live a life that has strength and adventure and excitement. But somewhere it has to start with where that energy comes from. And the Bible seems to tell us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That when we choose joy, when, when we say, God, I, I choose that no matter what my circumstances are, I put my focus in you. God, I choose that I submit myself to your will and your plan for my life. God, I find my hope in you. It allows joy to be built up in us, cranked up in us, if you will, so that then we have strength to live the life that we're in. When I choose joy, I find strength. When I choose joy, I find strength. Maybe that's why when Paul was sitting in a jail... And writing a letter to the church in Philippi, even though he was in tough circumstances, he still said to the church in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. He emphasized it because he knew that no matter your circumstances, when you choose joy, it brings strength. Uh, let's look at some more of the fruit of the Spirit. We've talked about love and joy. I'm, I'm going to bundle up some of them. Let's cluster a few of these up so we can kind of keep moving through this list for the sake of time. I want to talk for a moment next about peace and patience and how these two go together. I guess the question that I would ask you is, is your heart at peace? Like right now today, in, in this season of your life, is your heart at peace? Like if you and I were sitting down and having a conversation, what would you say? How would you answer that question? The reality is I'm not so sure that you can have peace without patience or patience without peace. I think those two go together. They're right next to each other here in the list that Paul gives to us. And I, I wonder if they don't go together like peanut butter and jelly, or like movies and popcorn. They're, they're kind of a dynamic duo. That, when I say that, some of you think back, if, if, depending on your generation, maybe to the Lone Ranger and Tonto. For me, I go back to Batman and Robin. Some of you, it's uh, maybe SpongeBob and Patrick. I, I'm not sure exactly what that dynamic duo is, but I think peace and patience go hand in hand. Now look at this, the book of Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 29. We read, Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Very next verse, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Do you see that even here, Solomon in the book of Proverbs has paired up kind of side by side the idea of patience and peace. Both of those things brings life to us. They give joy to us. They give hope to us. And here's what I've found. I find peace when I'm patient. Oftentimes when I'm impatient in my life, I find that my 
life is not at peace. When I'm, when I'm worried and when I'm frustrated or when I'm trying to speed something along, oftentimes that impatience, when I have a hard time dealing with someone who, who is difficult for me or when I think somebody should be further along than they are or whatever it might be, oftentimes that impatience robs me of my personal peace. But I find peace when I'm patient. And watch this. I can be patient when I'm at peace. I can be patient when I'm at peace. If I'll begin with peace and say, Holy Spirit, would you help me to have peace in my heart, in my life, in this season? When I start with peace, it often helps me to have patience in my life as well. Now, what if you say, well, Chad, I'm, I'm really wrestling with peace right now. Well, in a practical sense, just, just in the basic areas of your life, if you're struggling to find peace, what if you said, Holy Spirit, would you grow that fruit of peace in my life? Would you help me to find peace from you? Jesus, the Bible tells us, came to be the Prince of Peace. He is the one that brings peace to us. And Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would come alongside of us and He would be the one who would bring us his peace. In a practical sense, what, what if you asked him for that? In a spiritual sense, maybe some of you, the reason that you do not have peace in life is because you do not have peace with God. What you need to, to begin with, maybe to say, God, I, I need to be at peace with you. I need to ask for your forgiveness. I need you to change my life. I need you to, to take away my sins. I need you to help me to wrestle with the guilt and the shame and the addiction, and the pain that I've been through, and the injustice, and the disappointments. The reality is, oftentimes, it starts with asking God for His peace in your life. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Isn't that what we just talked about? Like, take those things to God. And, watch what he says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it means it's a peace that you just, you can't comprehend, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So that when I pray, the result is peace. So to say, God, I need your peace in my life. Now look, can I, can I speak to some of you about this for just a moment? Because for some of us, the reason we're wrestling with peace right now and maybe the reason we're wrestling with patience right now is because we don't have clarity. Like we don't know what's coming next. Honestly, I, I'd say both personally and then even professionally in the life of the, the church in my role as Calvary's pastor. Like this season of time that we've been in has been filled with so much uncertainty that we don't know what news reports to believe or we don't know what changes might be coming next or we don't know what the next day might hold for certain people and certain things. And what can happen in times of uncertainty when you don't have clarity is you can lose your peace. Several weeks ago, I, I remember praying, God, would you help me with this? God, help me to be content when I need to be content and help me to be restless when I need to be restless. Like God, help me to know in my spirit 
the way that you're leading me by your spirit and guide me in this. And God, I pray that in both of those seasons that you would allow me to have your peace and your patience in my life. I can tell you that God not only honored that prayer, he answered that prayer. And he has helped me personally in this season to know the times when, when I should rest in contentment or when I should be restless towards action. And if you pray a similar prayer, I'm confident that God can help you in this season to develop that, that kind of tag team fruit, peace and patience. All right, let, let's look at another cluster of fruit from Galatians chapter 5. The next one we'll look at, I, I'd like to put together kindness and goodness and gentleness. Uh, let's talk together about kindness and goodness and gentleness. Now look, each one of those we could take and we could kind of do a, a deep dive on. We, we could study the Greek words. We could look at them individually. We could see the different nuances that are there. But I have to kind of wonder that even though each one of those is specific, kindness, goodness, gentleness, if they're not different fruit all growing off the same branch, that in some way they really have to do with how we're going to interact with one another. In a world that is so divided right now, it would probably be good for us to ask a question about kindness and goodness and gentleness. The question is, how are others being affected by you? Like, like your life, the fruit that's in your life. How is it affecting other people? Are they experiencing when they interact with you a person who responds to them with kindness? Are you doing good? Are you treating others with gentleness? And our world is divided right now. We're in a year of presidential politics and an election year is always a time when it seems like people are, are asked and in some ways even forced to divide themselves into different camps. On top of that, you add everything that we've been experiencing as a culture due to the coronavirus. And there's so many personal opinions. You talk to some people who say, look, everybody's taken this way too far. And then you talk to someone else who is also a very good-natured and good-hearted person who says, I just don't think this other person is taking it serious enough. Then you add on top of that the, the headlines that we saw and experienced this week. Another senseless death the murder of George Floyd and racism on our um, stream on, on line on Friday night. We approached this topic of racism and had a candid conversation about how do we respond? Like, what is my role in this season? And when you talk about politics and you talk about division of opinion and you talk about things like racism, maybe we need to go back and start with our text, right? How, how do we find ourselves in a place where we can live lives that are filled in a world that's so divided? How do we live lives of goodness and kindness and gentleness? Well, remember what we read at the very beginning of this message. We talked about how there's the fruit of the Spirit. But what did Paul ask of us? Verse 25 of Galatians 5. He says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited provoking and envying each other. Did you see this? This little nuance he gives here. He says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. He takes a breath, right? Next sentence. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. He says, if you're going to keep in step with the Spirit, 
And a lot of it has to do with how you think about yourself. Like, don't become full of yourself. Don't be conceited. And then don't start provoking and envying each other. He says, keeping in step with the Spirit has an awful lot to do with how you see yourself, how you see others, and where you place yourself in this. Many commentators believe that Paul was probably writing this, something so specific right there, because as a pastor, as a shepherd, he was writing to a church that was facing challenges and saying to them, saying to them in this season, look, keep in step with the Spirit. Don't think too highly of yourself. Please stop provoking and envying each other. Such a good thing for us to think about in a year of election politics. Such a good thing for us to think about in a world where there is racism, where there is hate, where there are actions that are happening that are wrong and that need to stop. And honestly, in, in a world where in so many different ways it's affecting relationships. Can I, can I take a moment here and maybe just pause and maybe give you a word from your friendly neighborhood shepherd? You know, one of my roles as a pastor, the Bible says, is to be a shepherd. And one of the things a shepherd does is when a shepherd sees that sheep may be in a place of some kind of danger, he oftentimes will pull out the shepherd's staff and maybe take some action to help to redirect their course. Well, for many of you, I'm your, your friendly neighborhood shepherd. I just want to stop for a moment. I want to encourage you that in this season when there's so much division, let me encourage you to choose kindness and goodness and gentleness. To be honest, I've watched some people's actions and listened to their words and seen some responses in the, in the last season of time that have caused me to think there are things that are being done in this season that are affecting relationships and that are affecting friendships. Things that are being done in this season that may be almost impossible to repair in future seasons. So be wise in the way that you act, not just towards those outside of the church, but I'd say even in particular those inside the church. Respond with kindness and goodness and gentleness. I would encourage you to, to be a person who chooses to be kind, to do good, and to show gentleness. Because honestly, that's going to make a world of difference in the world in which we live. And maybe, I, I don't know those situations that you're in, but you might be in a place where you have to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me to show that fruit in my life. And I honestly believe that He will. Be kind, do good, show gentleness. The question is, how is your life impacting others? Which takes us to the last kind of cluster of fruit that we'll look at today faithfulness and self-control faithfulness and self-control here's what's so interesting about the fruit of the spirit the fruit of the spirit don't grow on on autopilot right the the holy spirit works inside of us to develop this fruit but it's up to us to nurture and cultivate it the Holy Spirit brings us strength, but we have to be open to receiving that strength. The Holy Spirit, He comes and gives us His joy and His peace and His patience and fills us with the love of Jesus Christ. But if we're not willing to be faithful 
and respond with self-control, that fruit really won't grow in our lives. So I go back to a question we started with. Have you evaluated your fruit? And in particular, in these areas of faithfulness and self-control, it might be time for you to kind of look at the produce in your own life. Evaluate that fruit and say, how am I doing in these areas? Faithfulness and self-control. Yes, the Holy Spirit helps the fruit to grow, but you have to be the gardener. Like you have to monitor that fruit. You have to evaluate its growth. You have to tend to it. You might have to prune some things from your life. You might have to make some choices to help that fruit to grow. And especially in this area of self-control. See, it's a partnership with the Holy Spirit. Where I know the Holy Spirit will help me, but I have to make choices in what I do and in what I don't do. In what I say and in what I don't say. In what I listen to and look at, in what my, my eyes take in and my mind thinks about and my hands do. In all those things, I have to have some self-control to allow the Holy Spirit to bring that fruit to life in me. And you say, why, why is this so important? Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. This is from the New Living Translation. This verse is powerful. It says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Now, honestly, our, our cities today in the United States in the 21st century, we, we don't have walls around them. But it was very different in biblical times. In fact, most likely that, that verse was being written by someone in, in or familiar with Jerusalem. And at the beginning of March, I was in Jerusalem. My son Evan and I were there and we got to do this super cool thing. We had some free time one of the last days that we were there. And we got to take a, a tour of the city walls of Jerusalem. You, you just kind of bought the ticket and then it was self-guided. And you literally went up on top of the walls that go around the old city of Jerusalem. And I'll show you a couple of pictures because it's really cool to see what happens in that place. This is an opportunity from standing up on that wall to look out and you can see outside from the top of the wall everything that's going on outside the city. This picture here gives a, a, just a kind of a, a different view. That's just Evan and I, we're at a wider part of the wall and just kind of a cool opportunity. You can see and look out from the top what you can see. Here's another picture. This is looking down on the inside of the city. So from the top of the wall, you can see what's going on outside. You can see what's going on inside. And then this last picture here, sometimes you got to get in just the right position to be able to look out and see over the wall. He did not fall out. And he survived. Now here's why I talked to you about my experience looking at the city walls of Jerusalem. Because from there I realized how important those walls were when they wrote this verse. If you don't have a city wall, then whatever danger comes from the outside, you are defenseless against it. It means that you can't protect yourself. And without self-control, the Proverbs tell us, we are defenseless against things that come our way. And from the top of the city wall, you can look in the city and you can see the state of the city. And without a city wall, you're not only defenseless, but then it's, it's desolate on the inside. You're not only open to outside threats, but you've stopped taking care of the inside as well. And so without a wall, a city was defenseless and desolate. 
And in your life, in my life, without self-control, we set ourselves up for failure. But here's what Scripture says. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit will partner with you to build a secure life. That the Holy Spirit will partner with you. He'll help you. He'll, he'll guide you in those times when you need self-control. The Holy Spirit will partner with you to build a secure life. So my question for you today, as we look at these different areas, especially this area of self-control, are you doing your part to cultivate in your life the work of the Holy Spirit because we're people of the Spirit so that the fruit that comes out of our lives is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. My question for you, are you keeping in step with the Spirit? We're, we're going to pray a scriptural prayer here in just a moment. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to, to help us. Here, here's what I believe, and I know we've said it a lot, but you can't be in God's house right now, but God is in yours, and the Holy Spirit is there. And I believe that as we pray this prayer, God will help us to see. Maybe it's one of the fruit we've talked about. Maybe it's a couple different areas of your life where you can say, Holy Spirit, would you help me today? And maybe even it's more than just fruit. Maybe it's in your life. You need to choose to find peace with God, to ask Jesus today for his forgiveness in your life, for his grace and his hope, and to give purpose and meaning. And as we pray this prayer, if that's you, I'd ask you to join us and believe that Jesus is going to change your life as well. Here's the scripture we're going to pray. Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. and Lead me in the way everlasting. It's a pretty good evaluation of fruit. Let's pray. Father, as we have looked at your word today, I know that your word is powerful. And Holy Spirit, I know that you come along and that there's moments where you bring encouragement and you challenge us. Maybe you even bring conviction so that our hearts see places where maybe we've not allowed the Holy Spirit to bring growth to the fruit in our lives. And so in line with this scripture, we pray, search me, God, and know my heart. In this moment, Lord, would you test me to see where there is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And Lord, in those places, we surrender our, our lives and our desires and our hearts to you. Father, would you allow, as people of the Spirit, that our lives would be full of the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, may we know your presence and your fruit in our lives with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. In Jesus' name.
Amen.